Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Follow in your Bibles as I read this passage. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and went to Padanaram, unto Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Bananaram, he to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and was gone to Bananaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, and sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place, and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all the places where thou goest, and will bring thee again to this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. And he said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again into my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house, the privilege to sing songs of praise. It's a privilege, Lord, to be with Christians and to worship you, and the great privilege to look into your word. Sometimes, Lord, we take it for granted that we have the word of God. And yet across this world, there are many people 
who would love to have a copy of the Word of God. And Lord, I just pray that we might appreciate the fact that we have the Bible. And I ask that you'd use the message today as we look in this chapter. Teach us things that are important to us. Help us to learn the lessons. And Lord, especially we pray that we might appreciate who you are and be at awe of, of how great and wonderful you are. Lord, use this message to speak to hearts. If there be one here that's never been saved, I pray the day would be, would be the day they trust Jesus. We ask in his name, amen. Most of you have probably heard of the Amer- African-American spiritual entitled, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder. It was probably written sometime before 1825 and sung by slaves of that day. It became one of the first spirituals to be widely sung by white Christians. It is based partly on the account that we just read of Jacob's, of his latter dream. And we'll say more about the song at the end of the message. As we look at Genesis 28 this morning, I have entitled the message, Jacob's Latter Dream. As we start the message today, I want to begin by looking at the events preceding the the latter dream that Jacob had. First of all, we see in this passage that uh, Jacob's um, future marriage was in question. And Isaac agreed with Rebekah about Jacob's future marriage, that he couldn't marry somebody of the land, that he needed to go away to get the proper wife. Now, Rebekah suggested Jacob's departure because of Esau's threat, and uh, that's why uh, Rebekah told him that. You look at chapter 27. You remember from last week, chapter 27, verse 41. It says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. Now, Rebecca heard that about that, and so she told Jacob that they ne- he needed to get out of the land because his brother wanted to kill him. And so she goes to talk to Isaac, the father, but she doesn't tell him that that's the reason, but that's really the reason behind, her, behind it, and that is she wants to get Jacob out of, out of harm's way because Esau has planned to kill him. But she had another reason as well, and she told, that reason she told to Isaac. And she, the reason she told Isaac was, the pro, was based on the problems that they were having from Esau's wives. Now, we look back in chapter 26, and we've seen this before as we're preaching through, this, through the book of Genesis. But look at chapter 26, uh, verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Beshemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. He married unbelieving women. He married heathen women from the land of Canaan there. And they were unbelievers, and they worshipped false gods, and they were a grief of mine to, to Isaac and Rebekah. And so both of them knew this, that these, these daughters were not, these daughter-in-laws were not good influence on the family. They were hard to get along with, and so they were... Uh, they both knew this. Now look at chapter 27, verse 46. That chapter ends by saying, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? If we have another woman like this in the family, I don't know if I can handle it, she's saying. 
And so she reasons with Jacob, look, you have agreed already now that Jacob is, or she reasons with Isaac, you've agreed that Jacob is the promised son that's to carry on, that's to get the promises of Abraham, not Esau. Even though Isaac had tried to give the blessing to Esau, uh, Isaac knew this, Rebekah knew this, Jacob was the one to get the blessing. She, she says, you have to understand that uh, we're going to have a lot of tr- trouble if we have allowed Jacob to marry somebody uh, like Esau has married. So Isaac agrees to send Jacob away to Haran so he could get a wife from his family. So Isaac was not really mad at Jacob. You would think maybe he would be. You remember how Jacob deceived him? But he wasn't mad at him. By this time, he understood what God's will was, and that was that Jacob was to be the one through whom the blessing would be passed. And so he wasn't mad at him. He, he blessed Jacob. And this was after the blessing that he'd given him before. You remember he had tricked his, his, son, his uh, dad into giving him this blessing. And he'd put uh, goat skins on his hands and goat skins on his necks. And he wore the raiment of Esau and he lied to his dad. And he said, I am Esau. And, and he deceived his dad and his dad gave him the blessing. We find that in chapter 27. And that blessing that he gave him there in, uh, consisted of prosperity and also dominion. That is, you will be prosperous and you will have dominion over your brothers. And so over the family, you'll have dominion. You'll be the one with the, the blessing of, of Abraham. And so he, that, that was included in the previous blessing. But now he gives him additional blessing. We look at it in chapter 28, verse, thir- verse 3. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. So he says, in addition to what I've already given you, which you deceived me to give, then I add this. He says, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, and that thou may be a multitude of people. So from you, Jacob, there's just one now, but from you, there's going to be a multitude of people. And then he adds this and give thee the blessing of Abraham. And then in that, he includes, inherit the land which God gave Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. Now, to get the blessing of Abraham, we go back to chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And that blessing of Abraham, if you'll turn back with me there, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, uh, involves several things. He says, Now the Lord God said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into the land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. If you're looking there in your Bible, you'll find that he says, I'll make you a great nation. Then he says, I'll make thy name great. And he says, You will be a blessing. And then he says, I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And then he says this, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, we know that that, in, that involves the Messiah. Jesus is going to come from that line. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And then he says, in, back in chapter 28, verse, 20, verse 4, he adds, inherit the land. Now, that was also told to Abraham, but that's found in chapter 17, Verse 8, and the Lord said to Abraham, I will give thee the land of all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. So all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. Now that includes 
everlasting. That includes today. So before Jacob leaves for Haran, he is assured that all the blessings of Abraham are given to him. He is the one through whom all the blessings are to come, and that's through him, Jacob. So he's getting ready to leave, flee from his brother, go get a wife maybe, and uh, he's, he's getting away right now. And so, he, but before he leaves, he is assured that all these blessings are his. So Isaac sends Jacob away. Chapter, chapter 28, verse 5 says, to Pedan Aram, unto Laban, his mother's brother. Now, this was proximately, if you look at a map, and you'll do some reading about it, you'll find that this was approximately 500 miles away. Now, he wasn't driving a Mustang. <laughs> he was driving maybe a camel or a donkey. 500 miles away, he has to go. And so that's where Isaac is sending Jacob. Now, also, something that's happening before this dream ever took place, well, maybe not before, but at least it's recorded before, and that is something's happening with Esau. And the Bible tells us in this text we've just read in chapter 28 that he, Esau noted that his father told Jacob not to marry somebody from Canaan. In other words, he was saying to his, his son, now he's given the blessing to, he's saying, you're not to marry like Esau married. Esau picked up on that and noticed that. Esau noted that Jacob, when his father told him what to do, he did it. Esau wasn't used to doing that probably. And so he noticed he did it. He noticed that his wives did not please uh, Rebekah and Isaac. And so he took an additional wife trying to please his dad. He went to Ishmael. Now Ishmael, uh, his 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 uh, dad's brother would be, would be Abraham's son, uh, earlier son by, by handmaid. Uh, that would be Ishmael. But God had rejected Ishmael. But he went to Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was dead. He'd been dead probably 14 years or so. And he was dead, but he went to his family and he got a daughter of Ishmael and took her to be his wife, thinking that would please his dad. You know, he doesn't want me to have a wife of the people of the land, so I'll get somebody from the family. But he, he just seemed to forget or didn't matter to him that God had rejected Ishmael. And God was not sending the blessing through Ishmael. But he was trying to do all he could to get favor with God. I noticed something about Esau, and that is Esau's motive was to please his dad. It wasn't to please God. He wasn't trying to please God. He was trying to please his dad. He was like many today who tried to be like Christians but are not. If you notice the quote in, in your bulletin, and I found this as I was studying, and I thought it was excellent. It's from the W.H. Griffith Thomas in his commentary on Genesis. And he said this, Esau is one of those who, as it has been truly and accurately said, tries to do what God's people do in the vain hope that somehow or other it will be pleasing to God. He will not do precisely what God requires, but something like it. He will not entirely give up the world and put God first in his life, but he will try to meet some of God's wishes by a little alteration of his conduct. Instead of renouncing sin, he will cover it with the glory of small virtues, but it is one thing to conform to the outward practices of God's people. It's quite another to be thoroughly and truly godly at heart. 
Men of Esau's type may attend the house of God and join in its services, but, but at heart they are essentially without God. You know, that's true of today of a lot of people. They'll want to be in church. They'll want to be like Christians. They'll want to be identified with Christians, but if the truth is known, they're not truly Christians. I know I've, I lived that life for a while, and so I know what that's like. But uh, a lot of people are like that. It reminds me, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, that the Lord will, in that day, he says, in that day, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And the Lord will say unto them, depart from me, I never knew you. What were they doing? They were trusting what they did. It's like a person thinks they're going to stand before the pearly gates and Peter's going to say, why should I let you in? Well, of course, first of all, that'll never happen. That will never happen. But they have that in mind. They'll say, well, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and, you know, I've, I always did this, and, and I, I've been a good person. And the Lord will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, you don't get to heaven by being good. It's not what you do, it's who you know. And it's Jesus Christ. You have to know him as your personal Savior. You see, Esau was concerned about what, what his dad thought. Let me say to you this morning, it matters not what man thinks if God thinks otherwise. It doesn't matter what man thinks if God thinks otherwise. And that's the way it was with Esau. Well, now we come to Jacob's latter dream. Jacob's preparation for the dream was like this. The Bible says that over in chapter 28, the Bible says in verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he's leaving Beersheba, and he goes toward Haran. It's his first time alone, and he's alone. The Bible doesn't say he had any servants with him. doesn't say anybody else went with him. He was by himself. He was probably riding a camel or a donkey, but he himself was the only person there. He was tired. He had ridden, ridden probably 75 miles from Beersheba to Bethel. It was 75 miles. It might have taken him three days to get there. And he comes to a certain place, and it says, so he was tired. He's probably also afraid because Esau said, I'm going to kill you. And he said after his dad dies, but if I was Isaac, I would probably be reasoning something like this. My brother wants to kill me, and now that he's known I've left, he could come after me and kill me, and dad wouldn't know about it. And so he's probably looking behind his shoulders thinking Esau might be anywhere around. And so he's probably alone, he's tired, afraid. And he really had no personal relationship with God. It was all what his dad had said. And it doesn't seem like he had a personal relationship with God. We get a hint of this in verse 21. He said to the Lord, he said, then the Lord will be my God. If you will keep these promises, Lord, then you will be my God. He was Abraham's God. He was Isaac's God. But personally, he wasn't yet Jacob's God. So you have to understand, before he has this dream, there's no real personal relationship with God. And he stopped at a place called Bethel. It wasn't called that at the time. He later names it that. But where is Bethel? Well, as I said, it's about 75 miles from Beersheba. And it says a certain place, you know, there's never anything by chance for the Lord. And this certain place happened to be close by where Abraham 
had been more than one time. And it says in, in chapter 12 that Abraham built an altar somewhere between Bethel and Ai. And so Jacob comes to a certain place. What certain place? Well, it ends up being Bethel. And so Abraham's been in that vicinity before, and now, and now Jacob is there. And he took stones, and he made pillows for his sleep. I don't, I don't believe that he just laid his head down on a rock. Uh, I imagine that he, laid, he found a rock that was about the right height and everything, and that would make a good place for my head. But I imagine he had a, a, a wool, wool skin or something that he laid down on top of that, or maybe his uh, garment, maybe I would anyway. I'm thinking what I would do. He was a lot rougher than I would be, but I, I'm, I imagine that's what I would do. And I think he probably did that. He found a rock, and he laid his head down with some cushion there on the rock, and he went to sleep. Then he has this dream. And I want us to look at the details of the dream, and then we're going to look at some things about the dream in a little bit. First of all, the details of the dream. The dream was he saw a ladder set on the earth, and it reached up into heaven. Now, that's a big, tall ladder. <laughs> All the way up in heaven, he probably, as far as he could see, there was this ladder. There was some discussion about whether the ladder means the ladder the kind of we have in mind, you know, the rungs on the ladder and all that, or if it meant a staircase. We're not real sure, but it was some way that reached up into the heavens, similar to a ladder. The top reached into the very heaven, and angels of God were descending and ascending on that ladder. He saw in this, in this uh, dream that angels were coming down out of heaven to the earth and then going back, back from the earth back up into, up into heaven. And so he sees this dream. And then at the top of the ladder stood God. And God spoke to him. And God said this, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He didn't say, I'm your God. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and I'm the God of Isaac, because Jacob doesn't personally yet know the Lord. So he says, I'm God, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And then he says these things, I will give to you and your seed the land on which you are laying. You've laid your head down on this, on this rock, and you've slept, you're sleeping, and, and I'm going to give you the land whereon you lay. And he says, your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and they will spread from here to the, to the west, to the east, and to the north and to the south. In other words, they will probably spread all over the earth. And in these shall thy seed and all families of the earth be blessed. In thee and thy seed, all families of the earth will be blessed. Now, what we've just said, those four things are the Abrahamic covenant. And so he's saying to him, God, now he's already... Isaac has already said this to him, and now it's God himself saying it to him. And he says, you have the Abrahamic covenant. I'm giving it to you. And then he adds this. He said, I am with you. Verse 15. He says, I am with you. So I give you all these promises. And then he said this. I am with you. I will keep you. Now that involves protection and provision. You know, if somebody keeps you, that means they... They protect you, and they provide for you. And he'll say that later as he, in the passage. But I'll keep thee, and I will bring thee home again. 
I'm going to bring you back to where you, you are. I'm going to bring you back to this area. You're going 500 miles away, and I'm going to bring you back. And then he adds this, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Now, you take those promises, and you realize as you count them up that after, he told, after God told him who he was, the God of Isaac, and the God, or God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, then he gave them these promises. There are seven of them. Seven is the number of perfection. And the Lord says, I will, I will, I will. And it just reminds us, you know, that everything we need is found in the Lord. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. If you have the Lord, you have everything. If you don't have the Lord, you have nothing. So he gave him this perfect package. And he said, that, promised him this. Now, what did the dream mean to Jacob? That's what the dream consisted of. But what did it mean to Jacob? Well, I believe it meant to Jacob that the God of Abraham and Isaac was real. He had heard about him. Uh, Abraham had talked about him. Isaac had talked about him. He heard about him. He was real, and he was speaking to him. This had never happened. Jacob had never had an experience where God spoke to him. He's speaking to him. He had heard about the Lord. He probably believed the Lord. He probably believed the stories, but he did not have a personal knowledge of the Lord. You see, what we need to understand is that Jacob did not have any that we have here. None of it. He did not have any of the Bible. He didn't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, any of it. He had none of the Bible. It was not written. And so all he had was what was passed on down to him from Abraham and Isaac. And now this dream means to him that this God I've heard about is talking to me. He's interested in me. It's personal. And so that is what one of the things the dream meant. Also, the dream meant that God in heaven was interested in not only him but men. It's not that God started things, as some people say. God started all up, and now he's up in heaven, and he doesn't really care what happens down here. Oh, yes, God does. God's interested in our lives, and Isaac, whether Jacob, found out this, that God, who is real and speaking to me, is interested in me. He also found out that good angels are busy serving God on the earth. You know, that's something we need to know. We don't see them, but it's true. And good angels are busy serving God on the earth. What were the angels doing? They were, ascending, they were descending out of heaven, coming down to where? The earth. And after they had been on the earth for a while, they were ascending back into heaven. They were involved in accomplishing God's will on the earth, and they were going down from, coming down from heaven, going back to heaven, down from heaven, going back to heaven, and angels were involved. Also, God had just confirmed to Jacob, that the land of Canaan was given to him and his seed. God confirmed it. Abraham passed it down that God told him. Isaac passed it down that God told him. And Isaac said to Jacob, Jacob, you've got the promise, but it came from his dad. It didn't come from God. But now God has confirmed that the land belongs to he and his seed, and it's everlasting. Now, that settles a question, by the way, today. And that is all, this, all the discussion about Israel and all the discussion about anti-Semitism 
and we've seen it cropping up in the United States. It's rampant on many of the college campuses today, and not just the other day. We saw it in New York City when they were attacking Jews. Yes, it's coming back, and who's behind all of it? Well, the devil is. And who, who has the rightful ownership of the land? I don't care what the Palestinians say, they don't. Israel does. Well, how do I know that? God said it. God said it. And so the one who has the, rightful, the right to the land is the land of, is the people of Israel because God said so. And his family, God, he also found out from this latter dream that his family will be multiplied and spread all over the earth. Now, we need to understand this, something. And that is, at this time, his family. What family? What family? It wasn't Esau. God said, no, I, don't, I reject Esau. His dad had just told him that he was about ready to die. Now, he didn't die for 45 more years, but he thought he was, and he was about ready to die. And here's Jacob. Who's Jacob? He's not married. He's all alone. He doesn't have any children. And God just said to him that your family is going to multiply and spread over all the earth. That's quite a lot to take in. But what did the dream mean to Jacob? It meant this, that God's going to bless him and those from him are going to spread all over, all over the earth. And also he found out that God would bless all the families of the world because of him or through him. Because through him would come the Messiah. Now you want to know why there's always anti-Semitism? Here's the reason. Why is there always anti-Semitism? Because through the children of Israel came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses all the families of the earth. Who's opposed to blessing all the families of the earth? The devil. Why is he opposed to them? Because all the families of the earth are made in the image of God. <laughs> and really, this is a better way to describe it rather than races. There's one race. It's the human race. There's different shades of, of brown, and that's there's different shades of brown, you know, uh, I'm a shade of brown, and my shade has turned since the sun, so I started getting out in the sun, you know. But nobody here is white. Nobody. If I took this white sheet of paper and put it up next to you, you're not white. You're a shade of brown. And it's not different races. There's one race. There's the human race, but there are different families. And the Lord says to all the families of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed through, through Israel. The Messiah is going to come through Israel. The Savior is going to come through Israel. And that's why Satan hates Israel. And anybody, anytime you find somebody opposed to Israel, and I'll guarantee you the devil's behind it. The devil's behind it. Also, what this mean, dream meant to him was that God said that he was going to be with him. Wherever you go, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. He said, I will keep you. Now, you have to understand, and later Jacob asked the Lord, you know, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, and, and one of the things he says, if, if you'll give me food to eat and raiment to wear. Now, why would he say something like that? He comes from a rich family. He's, he just left home. He doesn't have the supplies. He's going to a place 500 miles away. He doesn't know what he's going to get there. He doesn't know anything that's going to happen. He doesn't know he's going to come back a rich man. He doesn't know any of that. 
And so he Lord says, Lord, if you'll just give me food to eat and raiment to wear. And the Lord has promised him in this dream that I will keep you and I will bring you back to Canaan. I'll bring you back. And God said, I will not leave you. Now that's a lot to take in. But he got all that from the dream. God told him that. Now, what's Jacob's response to that dream? What's Jacob's response to the latter dream? His response is this. First of all, he believed that God had spoken to him. He believed. That's a major accomplishment. He's heard. He thought it was probably true. He had a mental assent that was true, but now he absolutely believed it because verse 16 says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Before I didn't know he was here. But the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Surely the Lord is here. Jehovah is here. Jehovah is interested in him. And he says, I believe. I believe. So his response to the dream was he believed. Another response was he was afraid. He was afraid. Look at verse 17. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You know, down the road here ways, there's a cemetery called the Gate of Heaven. That is an awful name for a cemetery because I'll guarantee you just because you get in that cemetery, your body does, doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. And in fact, I believe that not just that cemetery, it could be a Baptist cemetery. That would be a bad name because it might very well be that that was the gate to hell because the way to heaven is through Jesus, not through death. And if you die without Jesus, uh, that death is really your gate to hell. And so uh, he's not talking about like that. He's saying, this is the gate of heaven because here's where I, I heard from God. I heard from God. And so he was afraid and he says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he said, this is a dreadful place. Dreadful place. Now you think of dreadful, that's just think of awful I was looking up the translations of this word, and I found in the, in the ESV, which is a dependable translation, it's, it, it, it's, it uh, translates like this. This is an awesome place. <laughs> what do you mean this is awe-inspiring? I mean, this is God's here. And uh, that's probably one of the ideas here. It's a dreadful place. I mean, it's the house of God, but it, it's awesome. Now, a lot of people use that word today. I don't use it a lot, but I use it every once in a while. But this is a good place to use it. This is awesome. God is here. It's an awesome place. And you know, the right fear of God is really that. The right fear of God is when we stand in awe of him. We stand in awe of the Lord. A fear of God, respect for the Lord, honor for the Lord, and uh, a fear in a sense that we don't want to displease him. He is so wonderful and so good. This is awesome. He is awe-inspiring. That's true fear of God. Well, another response was he made a memorial. The stone that he lay on, he took that stone and poured oil on it and made it a memorial. Look at verse 18. 
It says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillow, and he set it for a pillar and poured oil upon it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. He renames the city because in that, in that area, that there was a city, but he says, I'm going to call this place Bethel, which means the house of God. Beth, house, El, God, Bethel, the house of God. And so he named it the house of God. And he made that stone a memorial. He's saying, this is a special place. This is a place that I had a special encounter with God, and I want to memorialize this. I ask you, do you remember where you got saved? I do. We went to a track meet the other night. My wife and I and some of the grandkids, we went and, and to Silas's, uh, he was in the uh, regional finals in, in track and running the hurdles. We were coming back. We came back from that track meet and we came Route 380 and we came through Xenia. And I knew what was coming up. I was sitting in the back seat. My wife was sitting in the back seat. Jared was driving and Cassie with us, was with us. And uh, when we got there, I said, Cassie, I said, right there is where I got saved. And it was. Emmanuel Baptist Church, Xenia, Ohio. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that day when Jesus saved me. And Jacob's saying, I'll never forget that I met the Lord here. And I want to memorialize it. And later he comes back and builds an altar there. But he memorialized that place. But then finally he did something else. He made a vow. He vowed to the Lord. And what was his vow? He said, if God will keep his promises, if God will be with me, if God will keep me, give me food to eat and raiment to wear, and if God will bring me back home, then I vow that I'm going to do this. What did he vow? He said, the Lord will be my, my God. He'll be my God and I'll serve him. He said, the stone that I have anointed, this place where I met the Lord, is going to be a place of worship. And uh, it's going to, the house of God, it's going to be a special place. And chapter 35, we find that when he came back from Iran and came back home, and after he met his brother Esau, he went to Bethel. And what did he do? He built an altar. There, here he didn't have an altar, but he built an altar. And so he vowed this to the Lord. Lord, if you will do this for me, then I will be, you will be my God, and I will, I, will, I will make this a special place. And then he says this, I'll give a tithe of all that I have to you. Now, I know some of you are saying, now, preacher, you're, you're about ready to stop preaching and start meddling. Well, that's right. <laughs> but this meddling is preaching. And it's, what is a tithe? It's a tenth. A tenth is not commanded by God for us to give. It was not commanded to Jacob. Jacob didn't have a command from the Lord. Remember, this is before the Mosaic Law, and the Mosaic Law, it did command them to. But Jacob was before the Mosaic Law. Jacob didn't have a command to do this, but from his heart, he said to the Lord, Lord, you've been so good to me that I'm going to give you a tenth of all that I have. And he pledged that to the Lord. You remember Abraham, his grandfather, had done the same thing and gave a tenth to, a, to Melchizedek. This was voluntary. 
It was not commanded. It was given because he appreciated the fact that God was going to be faithful to him. He said, if you will do what you said you would do, I will give to you. So we Christians, should we tithe? I believe we should. We don't tithe because the law tells us to. We're not under the law. We tithe because we love the Lord, and he's been faithful to us. He has promised. He has promised to us much like he promised to Jacob, and that is he promised that um, he would be with us. He promised that he would take care of us. He promised that he would keep us. He promised all those things. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord's promised that to us. Is it true? Is it true that God is with us all the time? Yes, it is. Is it true that God will keep us? Yes, it is. God says in Hebrews chapter 13, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. He will keep us. He will protect us. He will provide for us, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He will, he will keep us in the sense of our salvation. He says in Philippians 1.6, that, that which I began, I will complete, I will finish that good work that I started in you. I saved you, and I'm going to make sure that you're eternally saved and secure in heaven. I'm going to give you all of it, even a glorified body. I promise to you that I will, I will do that. God says that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, We are kept by the power of God. God promised Jacob that he'd keep him. He promises us that we will keep him. We believe that he'll do that. So if Jacob had reason to tithe, we have more reasons to tithe. We have the completed word of God, as I've mentioned. Jacob didn't have it. You know, Jacob didn't know anything about Moses. Jacob didn't know anything about Joshua or Gideon or David or Elijah or Elisha or Isaiah or Jeremiah or Daniel. He didn't know any of that. In fact, Jacob didn't even know about Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus had died for his sins because he hadn't yet. He didn't know that, he'd resurrected from the, that he would resurrect from the grave. He didn't know that he had ascended into heaven. He didn't know that he promised to make a place for him in heaven. He didn't know that. He didn't know that God promised all the future. I mean, we as Christians know, know things that are going to happen in the future. The world doesn't know that. We know that as soon as Jesus comes back, which is the next event on the calendar... When that happens, there will be seven years of tribulation on this earth. We even know the judgments that God's going to give. He's going to give three series of seven judgments, 21 judgments, the, the seal judgments, the, the trumpet judgments, the vile judgments. We know all that. We know the details of what's going to happen. We know that the Lord's going to come back from heaven with us at that time. He's going to rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. We know that all about the 1,000-year reign and, and uh, what the earth is going to be like and all those things. We know that Jesus is going to do that. And then after that, we know that he's going to destroy this heaven, this, the, the earth and the present heaven. He's going to make a brand new one. He's going to set up his great white throne and all unsaved people are going to be judged there. We know all of that. <laughs> We know about the new Jerusalem, the golden streets and gates of pearl and walls of jasper and all. We know all that. Jacob didn't know any of this. And yet Jacob said, I'm so thankful that God's going to keep his promise that I will tithe, I'll give to him. I ask you today, do you tithe? I don't want to know personally whether you do. That's why I don't look at the giving records. 
but do you tithe? And I ask you this, if not, why not? Do you have a good reason? Maybe you could sit down with Jacob and say, Jacob, here's the reason I don't tithe. And Jacob says, well, here's the reason I tithe. And Jacob would say, what do you have from the Lord? And you'd start to name it. And Jacob said, I didn't know that, but I tithe. You mean you don't tithe? You don't appreciate the Lord like I appreciate the Lord? Yes, we should tithe. If you don't, why not? Some might say, but if I only had an experience like, like Jacob, if I only had that latter dream, wow, wouldn't that be great to see the angels coming up and down from, on that ladder and see God at the top talking to us? Wow, that would be something. I say to you this morning, we have much more than that. You see, Jacob had the latter dream. We have the latter say that again. Jacob had the latter dream. We have the latter. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip brings Nathanael, his friend, to see the Lord. He says, you've got to come and see. He's out of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can, it good, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. And so he brings him to the Lord. And uh, the Lord says to Nathaniel, oh, good man, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel says, what? You knew I was under the fig tree? Yeah, you weren't around? And then he says, I believe. I mean, he believed because God told him that he, uh, Jesus told him, who is God, that he saw him under the fig tree. And then Jesus said to this, this to Nathaniel, verse 51, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of God. Wow. The angels of God ascending, descending and ascending upon the Son of God. The Son of God is the ladder. That's exactly what Jesus said. He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. How do you get to heaven? You get to heaven through Jesus, and he's the only way. There are many people who go through their life, they hear about Jesus and all of that, but they won't accept him as their personal savior. And they will come to death and realize that death has come, and guess what? They don't have a ladder. They want to get up there, but they can't. They don't have a ladder. And then they realize that in their life, they were told about Jesus. They were told he was the way, but they didn't want him, and now they die, and they found they don't have a ladder. They can't get there. The only way to heaven is through Jesus, and we know that. And what about the angels? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, the angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto those who shall be heirs of salvation. In other words, angels are coming down from heaven, going back to heaven, what are they doing? They're ministering to us. 
And they look at us and see we have a need and they come down from heaven to help us meet that need and they go back to heaven and they come down again and they go back. They're all the time doing that. And the Lord says, that is true of of you. And the reason they can do that for you is because of Jesus. He's your way. You've accepted him. And so Jesus is our letter. God's so good. In fact, God is awesome. In fact, God's so good and awesome We have no reason not to tithe. If you're not a Christian, you might not accept Jesus as your Savior, but the day will come when you'll wish you had the ladder. Jesus is that ladder, and if you accept him, you have the ladder and you can go to heaven. Now back to the song as we close. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder, soldiers of the Lord. And then the next verse says, every round goes higher, higher. And I don't know about that verse. (laughs) I'm not sure what the writers of that had in mind, whether they thought they were earning their way to heaven or not. I'm not sure about that verse. I can't relate to that. Every round goes higher, higher. But the next verse I can, it makes me think maybe they did understand. And they said this, Sinner, do you love my Jesus? Sinner, do you love my Jesus? Sinner, do you love my Jesus? Soldiers of the cross. And you probably know the rest of the words. Sing it with me. If you love him, why not serve him? If you love him, why not serve him? If you love him, why not serve him, soldiers of the cross? Rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory, soldiers of the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to see the lessons in Jacob's latter dream. And I pray that we might be servants of yours. And Lord, I pray that we might, as the song says, be soldiers of the cross. Thank you for Jesus, who's our way to heaven. If there's somebody here who has never trusted him, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, we ask in Jesus' name.